Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. 95.9. Welcome back. It's 22 minutes past eight. This is My Money and Me and I'm Sumitra Naidu. Our businesswoman on the move this evening is Ndoni Mkunu. She is a PhD candidate at Wits University at the Global Change Institute. She's also the CEO of uh, Women in Science. She's also the founder of that organization. It's a registered non-profit organization which aims to deliver capacity development interventions that target young black women scientists and researchers. She has a long list of accolades. Um, you know, she's also been uh, selected in the top 200 male and guardian young South Africans. She was a fellow, uh, a Mandela Washington fellow in 2017. She also received an honorary, an honorary award in the Division of Science and Research and Entrepreneurship by the Etiquini Municipality. A very good evening to you and Dorney. Thanks so much for joining me. Hi, thank you so much for having me here today. So tell me. This is a non-profit organization, um, the Black, Wom- Black Women in Science. Tell me a little bit about this organization. How, how does it actually work? So it's a non-profit organization, and we work by providing skills and capacity training to postgraduates or um, women that have qualified with at least an undergraduate degree and are looking to empower themselves with better skills. So skills like your science communication, your scientific writing, as well as your business and entrepreneurship. So if you are a scientist who believes that you want to do more, you want to understand the world more and understand yourself more, that's what we do at Black Women in Science. I mean, I'm looking at your, um, you know, at your bio and you have a long list of different qualifications. You also do a lot of work in uh, in climate change. But why did you decide on going the route of the non-profit organization for, um, for, for science? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I'll be very honest with you about that answer. Mm. Um, it, I think for me, the thought of registering a business was something that just didn't even cross my mind maybe, you know. Um, I was very young when I registered Black Women in Science. I think I was 25. And so I didn't have really that much of mentorship or, in fact, even confidence to say I could turn this into a business. So you shy away into an NGO. Um, but never, never, you know, the list, um, registering it as an NGO has actually worked even better for me because it has made me to understand kind of both worlds. The concept of having a nonprofit organization is that everything is free, but it's not. You actually run an NGO exactly like a business. So I have, I'm very grateful that I actually did register it as an NGO. So, you know, you have overheads, you still pay salaries, you know, the organization still makes money. You're just not making a profit. Everybody, everybody gets what they need to get, but you're not making a profit and you're doing really good work. Did you... Is, is it something that you really wanted to get into or were you looking to bridge the gap, you know, between the graduate and, and the working world? Yeah, it was definitely a personal experience. So Black Women in Science is exactly my part within the academic and science sector. Um, it wasn't something that I just woke up and thought about. Mm-hmm. I saw a gap within the industry and within the discipline and I decided then to start Black Women in Science. And um, it's just there to serve as um, almost like a buffer 
for our postgraduate students, black academic postgrads, and not just postgrads, even if you are working um, and you are or you run your own company, it's really a network that is great where you get to interact with other women that look like you, that sound like you, that come from similar backgrounds, and that are interested in expanding their names and expanding themselves. And so Black Women in Science really is just an extension, to be honest with you, of me. And I just told my story through a nonprofit organization. Mm. Is there a demand? I mean, do you have lots of women coming through your organization? Definitely there is a demand. Um, I think if we had to put more energy into marketing Black Women in Science, it would be even bigger than what it is right now. And it has already grown a lot without even specific marketing, just by word of mouth and people speaking about their experience, their friends, their families, as well as, you know, exposure in media um, as, as you are doing right now. So there mm. definitely is a need. And the need really is emerging from the need that women have and the desperation that women have. Um, scientists have, I don't even think it's specifically a woman, but um, just scientists have to, to want to be more um, volatile or have more options in their scientific careers. So it's, it's um, I need even in, in policy and in government in the sense of if you look into the white paper of the Department of Science and Innovation, you will see that there is a strong drive to promote black female graduates. Mm. And there's an issue there with the leaking pipeline that we are having black academics, especially scientists, especially women, leaving the science sector when it comes to professorship, to PhD, to masters. This drive to push women into, um, you know, into math, sciences and technology has been going on for years. I remember covering it, you know, probably 15 years ago. There's been this ongoing push to get um, young girls into um, into into math, science, and technology, and getting them to university level as well. We've got quite a few coming, uh, quite a few women coming through university, coming through with degrees. Where then lies the problem? Tell me about what it is sure. that you are helping them with. Sure. So I think post-apartheid, the main mandate was to really um, give access to um, black students in doing careers like math and science. And then that's almost like where it ended. It's almost like as soon as you get into um, high school and you pass your math and science and then you get into your math and your, your BSc degree, then they say, great, we okay, all the best. And what we are trying to do is to say, um, that's not where it ends. And that's the conversation of the leaking pipeline. That's mm. the conversation of retaining black academics. And that as soon as they get in, you know, they, have, they deal with other pressures, some of them drop out, some of them stay. And those that actually stay and those that stay to a postgraduate le- level less, become less and less and less as you go higher up the academic ladder. And so the problem there is that now there's a leaking pipeline. So when you look in the stats of black professorships, black academics within institutions, you will then see that there's less than 10% within institutions of black professors. And that's a problem throughout in the sense of how we interpret information, how we understand information, how we design our mm. questions and research for our own countries, for our own issues. That's the, that's the overall impact of the speaking pipeline. So there's a major challenge in that, in that we are pushing them from um, high school to getting into university, and then we're just not helping them out to figure themselves out um, to, to, to go further into postgraduate qualification. 
Afropolitans, I'm talking to Ndoni Mkunu, founder and chief executive officer of Black Women in Science. If you've just joined us, it's a really interesting question. And if you have any questions for Ndoni, please give us a call. The number is 86 And we're talking about, you know, young graduates um, that, um, you know, coming out from university and not able to get into the workplace. And even if they do, unable to understand the work place even though they have a degree they have some sort of qualification it is really important to bridge this gap and this is exactly what Ndoni is doing Ndoni when we talk a little bit more about that and you know trying to bridge that gap and why it's so important do you think that there's I mean obviously there's a a really important need for organizations like yours but is there are we are we you know, are, are we lacking something in the university degree or is this something that needs to be done not only here but all over the world? You finish the degree, get some practical experience before you actually get into a proper full-time job. Yes, there's definitely a lot missing in the science discipline, especially when it comes to teaching us from a young age how to critically think how to think um, in an interdisciplinary manner, meaning that you're not just thinking within your problem. Your problem is not just not looking at it from the lens of just science, but you're looking at it from a lens of social science, you're looking at it from the lens of human development. Um, and so the problem then is that a lot of the work that is being done by scientists within universities is sitting in the libraries. And people don't actually understand what we're talking mm. about or what we're doing. And that that speaks exactly to the problem that we are not focusing on communicating our work and making sure that we show our relevance to the world. And that's all traced in many ways, in the sense that, say now you are finished with your undergrad and your or your postgrad, and you realize that actually I'm really good at strategic planning. But now, you know, the world now sees you as just a researcher because they haven't had scientists move into the um, corporate world and work as a strategic planner. So it's, it's, it's industry's fault, but it's also our fault in the sense that we are also not readjusting our courses and, our, and how we teach um, undergrads from undergraduate level um, to postgraduate level, how to think critically, how to think outside of the box, how to, how to learn how to integrate themselves within the real world. And then what happens is it's just a frustration within all sectors um, because it doesn't mean some people um, also within how do they communicate this career of science. doesn't mean that the only career that I'm going to do now is to be a lecturer and a researcher. I mm. truly believe that that's, that's not the only thing that science teaches you. It teaches you a whole lot of things and a whole lot of skills. And so that, those are the things that we need to actually fix within the discipline. This is so interesting because I found, you know, previously when I looked at um, um, at, at young women coming out of university, a lot of them were getting um, work within the university because there wasn't work outside for them. And sure. they ended up staying there to continue research projects or continue studying. And a lot of them... Um, get lost to, um, you know, to other countries. Mm, yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, uh, personally, I experienced that, you know. It was you always in the, in the game of overqualification versus experience. Mm. And it's like, but how? You know, how am I going to 
do both at one time. And so you you, you do have that lag, lag, that lag time where you are kind of floating. And the only thing that you have is the opportunity within the institution, the university. And you end up taking it because, I mean, for you to get to that level, it's not like you were, you were like rolling in cash with it. Mm. You know, you're struggling financially to get into this position. So there's so many trade-offs that you have to manage and risks in your life that you have to manage while trying to get the balance of experience and work, you know. And so they find themselves, you know, just getting into, oh, oh well, let me just be a, let me just do a postdoc. And, mm. it's, and it's also, uh, it also goes back to the previous question of when someone sees me and they see PhD candidates, what is the instant skills that they think that I have? How have we communicated our skills? How have we exposed ourselves as as scientists, as as postgrads, as undergrads? And so mm. um, we end up just sticking to the channel that we, we you know that we created for ourselves, even though you didn't create it knowingly all the time. Sometimes you just do it because you know that's the next step. But you don't. Most of the time, you're not intentionally aware of what it means to and it's all that's available for you i mean you know and that's exactly what you're looking for you're looking for opportunities um you did all the groundwork but then that becomes such an attractive possibility for you and nothing else is there then why not Mm -hmm. let's go ahead and why not yeah yeah and then you find people becoming a little bit frustrated, you know. Mm. Obviously, there are people who love it and they and they get involved in it. But I think I fell into the side of I want more. I want I want to know what else I can do from my brain and from what I learned for almost 15 years of of, of academia. So for those that want to get out, what what about them, you know? And 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 who's willing to take them? And so then maybe there needs to be the conversation amongst postgraduate um, training to include courses that make you become. So it's almost like get your project management course, you know, get your strategic thinking course that when you want to get out, you can put that on your CV and say, hire me, you know, whatever company, a corporate company that you need. I think it's so important that, you know, all of the studying and the research and all the accolades and you've won awards all over the world, even from the Netherlands, but you've brought all of that information back to us and you, you know, you're giving back to South African society and helping young women. Are we seeing a difference in the numbers? You know, we talk about there's been this massive drive and it's been there for many years, getting young girls into math, science and tech. Um, and we are seeing more graduates coming through, but what are the numbers like? Are we still a far way off compared to, um, you know, some of our peers internationally? Um, we're not actually that far off, especially mm-hmm. in South Africa. If you look at the undergraduate um, rates between the women, um, between girls and 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 and, and males, we pretty much, you know, equal. It's like 57, 55, or something like that. 57, 60, whatever. You, you know that math. But it's not an extreme of 10% and 90%. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. And so the challenge, the question is when you talk postgraduate. Then now you're seeing some real number drops. Then there you're seeing, mm. you know, for, for black females, almost 20% and males, 80%. You know, and then, and then that's, that's postgraduate. That's not even science. And when you get into science, you're looking at around your 10, 5%. So there is, is, 
is where the, the, the leaking pipeline is, where you start looking at it at a postgraduate level. At an undergraduate level, the numbers aren't bad in terms of um, female versus male. Um, in terms of race, um, between the undergrad, then that's another conversation. Black mm. females are at, the, are at the bottom in the undergraduate level of graduating um, in their uh, in their in their postgraduate qualifi- in their undergraduate qualification, and that filtrates through to their postgraduate qualifications. So we still got some work to do. We have a lot of work to do. Tell me, I see you've done a lot of work with climate change as well. I'm very keen on environmental sciences. Tell me, what what exactly are you doing with climate change? Sure. Um, so I, I work for South South North, which where we work with the Foreign Commonwealth Office mm-hmm. um, in the UK. And I work in a project called Adaptation Research Alliance. And there we work on um, implementing projects um, on the ground that are for resilience, so adaptation resilience to climate change. So how do we make sure that communities, local communities, private companies, and governments are playing their role in implementing almost like mitigation plans to make sure that um, in the climate, what, what is the plan in the long run, you know, to make sure that communities, societies, policymakers are including everybody in, in programs that are, will actually make the most vulnerable less vulnerable to the impact of climate change. I'm looking at this. I mean, you um, a Green Matter fellow for your research in climate change and agriculture. Did you watch um, Kiss the Soil? Oh, I did. I did. Oh my God! Very I thought great. it was amazing. I mean, it's it was amazing. It's um, it's so interesting that um, it basically. I mean, it, the documentary is basically saying to you that we've been doing farming wrong for all of these years. You know, uh, that that documentary really, for me, watching it, made taught me how to communicate what I do mm. because I could understand it better when I watched it. I was so fascinated at how well he made us understand the impact of what we are doing to to the environment and to the planet without necessarily shouting about it, you yeah. know, and just putting and putting in stats there and facts to say this is actually what we're doing. And without necessarily saying it's all you, you know, um, but saying it's all you. So he put it in such a in such a great way of, of our own footprints on the planet. And I would really suggest everybody to watch that. If you yeah. if you if you keep hearing this word called climate change and sustainability and resilience and adaptation and you're just tired of all these jargons. I would say watch that documentary. It was amazing. Really cool. Is, uh, was it was it Nixon or was it it was Nixon, right? Who yes, is it? It was. it was Nixon. I mean, I couldn't believe that they were thinking about this so long ago, that they've got this organization to actually um, um, to take care of the soil. Mm, take um, care of the soil. Be, yeah, but uh, I mean, we could talk about that the whole the whole evening, but we've run out of time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, Afropolitans, yes, do yourself a favor. It is on Netflix, and you probably would find it on YouTube as well. It's called um, Kiss the Soil. What an interesting, interesting um, documentary. And it's not very long as well, but it's filled with, with uh, facts and figures and also solutions, action plans. I mean, people are doing it. There's a whole movement going on in the United States at the moment, and it's so important for... 
a country like South Africa, I mean, agriculture is so important for us. Um, it's something that you should actually watch. It was such a pleasure talking to you, Ndoni. Please go well, and we'll chat again soon. Ndoni Mkunu is the founder and chief executive officer of Black Women in Science. Coming up next, I'm talking to Mzi Malunga. He's going to be telling us about his money. Rewinding, Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.